Good morning. Um, our order of service is on page 203, the uh, divine service setting four. And we begin with, uh, let's see, do I have, yeah, I'm good? Okay. And we begin uh, by rising, so please rise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our help is in the name of the Lord. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Since we are gathered to hear God's word, call upon him in prayer and praise, and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the fellowship of this altar, let us first consider our unworthiness and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed, and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together, as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking His grace for the sake of Christ, and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Almighty God, have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to Christ's Almighty God in His mercy has given His Son to die for you, and for His sake forgives you all your sins as a called and ordained servant of Christ. And by His authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We continue on page 204. Uh, oh, we continue with the opening hymn, 849. Please be seated.
We rise to the Kyrie. with you. Let us pray. O oh God, you know that we cannot withstand the dangers which surround us. Strengthen us in body and spirit so that with your help we may be able to overcome the weakness that our sin has brought upon us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated for the readings. The first reading is from the 18th chapter of Deuteronomy. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. The Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my mouth, words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, is to be put to death. This is the word of the Lord.
majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has called his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He's shown his people the power of his words in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. Established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people, he has commanded his covenant forever. The second reading is from the 8th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Now, about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live, and there is but one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god, and since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you, with all your knowledge, eating in an idol's temp temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister, for whom Christ died, is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, 
you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. This is the word of the Lord. We rise for the Alleluia. According to St. Mark, the first chapter. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. This is the gospel of the Lord. We make our Christian confession in this fellowship and to the world by the words of the Nicene Creed on page 206. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten Son of all worlds, God now, by life, carried out of the ground, begotten not made, being one substance to the Father, having all things to me, who for us standing for our salvation, came down from heaven, and was desired by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us in the conscious heart. He suffered. be seated as we sing hymn 451, Away From Us the Demon Cried.
God's grace, his mercy, and his peace be multiplied to you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today we have an opportunity to glorify God for the power that his word has and the fact that he just he knows exactly what he's doing what he's going to do and uh, he knows exactly what we need at every point in time and he knows who to let speak and who to make quiet in the Deuteronomy passage, it's interesting because too much God is a bad thing, right? Now, you may not agree with that, but we bring ourselves to thunderous uh, fireworks, I suppose, on a mountain. And uh, people get to realize that, wow, you know, if God would just kind of flick his finger over this way, about a thousand of us could die. And the thundering and the roaring and all of that stuff, we're not used to that kind of thing. In fact, if stuff started happening outside, unnatural kind of stuff, we might walk out there, or maybe not. We might stay kind of hidden and peek because we wouldn't want to be struck by anything untoward like lightning or a tree or something else all of which God would have control over. This is the situation that the children of Israel had as they stood at the foot of a mountain and listened to God thunder about how he is their God and they are his people. And they said, no, 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 no. Let's be like the other nations around us. We would like a king like those people. And God said, you don't know what you're asking for. They said, well, you know. Uh, uh, it's better than, than this. You scare us, God. When you let out too much, you scare us. And we're, gonna, we're so afraid we're going to die. Now, having, having said that, I can tell you this, that holiness, God's holiness, is a cleansing fire, right? We've heard that God is a cleansing fire. Fire. If God showed up, if he just decided, okay, I'm going to show up for St. Stephen, I'm going to show him who I truly am, just him showing up and shining in his glory, well, that would completely be the end of us. Because it is a purifying light, that holy light, and everything that is sin runs away from it. Well, how much sin do you have in you? Uh, so, what a horrible thing to be disassembled right in front of God. This is the reality. God comes to us even while we are sinful, and he comes to us in such a way that he purifies us in gentleness and when he purifies us he purifies us by sending his own son and here his son is is proclaimed in deuteronomy way before it ever happened god said i'm going to send a prophet just like you 
you wonder why the children of Israel were looking for the Messiah, looking for that prophet. Because that prophet was going to be the one. And the Lord says, you know, I get it. I get the fact that the sin in them makes them run away, just like it did for Adam and Eve, right? God went to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden, and they were not there. And God said, why are you hiding? And then they told them the truth. Well, we ate from that fruit of the tree that you told us not to eat, and we realized we were naked. And, well, who told you you were naked? Now, we would say, uh, God, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? But there's a lot of obvious things that we know that simply state and restate over and over again how sinful we are. We know things we shouldn't know. Holy people are not aware of certain things because those things are not holy. We don't know a lot about evil spirits. I, well, I don't know the last time I had a confirmation class. Well, it was when I was in, uh, in the Southwest, had a confirmation class. And I always ask the kids, do you believe that evil spirits exist? And they always kind of go, and they, they're looking for somebody else to raise their hand so that maybe they can raise their hand. And the texts are pretty clear here about that evil spirits they do exist, and they are a lot more powerful than you and me. And sometimes, if allowed, they will drag us from here to there, and they will have us do things that we don't want to do. Now, don't worry. This is not about evil spirits and all of those things, but I can tell you that if you are a child of God, your house is not divided. An evil spirit cannot possess you. But oppress you, yes. But possess you, no. Because God possesses you. God is in your, is in your heart, in your mind, and he is the one who, uh, you're his child. So he protects you. And we, Jesus came, and he was the prophet, foretold in the passage in Deuteronomy. And, uh, and he came and he cast out an evil spirit from a man who was possessed. Now when this man uh, spoke, of course he didn't speak, the spirit spoke through him. The spirit exactly knew. It's kind of an odd thing for, you know, to realize that spirits are all believers. They know who God is. They know who God is. But they don't, uh, they don't have that relationship with him. So when this evil spirit spoke and said, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of Israel. Well, everybody was asking. You're the Holy One of God. The, 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 everyone was asking, who is this guy? He's got great authority. And, and we go, yes, if the opposition says, we know who he is, he's this, then you know he's got to be God. 
the not so fast. Right here, we get, I suppose, a natural response in the gospel. Wow, he's so powerful, he can cast out evil spirits. They listen to him. But you know what happens later on? Later on, they go, "Uh uh-huh, we know who he is. He is Beelzebub. He is the prince of demons. That's why they listen to him when he casts them out. And, of course, we know evil spirits are liars, so he's a liar, too. This is the words that they use. But it's very clear in here that we are, when we speak about God, we are not to speak out of turn. And in a way, it says here, it talks about prophets speaking. If a prophet speaks about God and he doesn't speak what he is told to speak, then he will be condemned. Evil spirits will be condemned. Evil spirits and false prophets are put in the same category. So if somebody preaches about another God, they are condemned. If somebody preaches the wrong thing about God, they are condemned. Now, of course, I'm not going to promise that I haven't said something wrong about God. But I am in the habit of asking God for forgiveness, and He is in the habit of granting (laughs) that forgiveness. Because I'm a child of God, and I make a lot of mistakes. Like the hymn I did before. I went to him. what was it? It was a wrong hymn. I'm thinking, now I'm thinking, am I dyslexic or something? Because I called out the wrong hymn, and then I went and I looked for the hymn that I said. Oh, it was a five, it was 451, I said. And I'm reading it, and I still got it wrong. But it's 541 is what it was. And I was looking to sing the hymn on the 451, and I went and found it. It wasn't there. What knucklehead announced the wrong hymn? Me. Am I going to hell for that? No. God is gracious. God is kind. And I am known by God. But it does bear that I I need to be cautious just like anybody else needs to be cautious. This brings us to the epistle lesson. Because there was a big issue back then about food being sacrificed to idols. Now, I had a little bit bit of a taste of that going to Nigeria because in Nigeria well meat is very expensive not everybody eats meat and in fact if you would invite somebody to your house and put a steak on or something like that it would be a scandal because number one those people are not used to consuming so much meat it's just like if you ever went into a really nice restaurant and you went, look, look, you know, there are people starving outside and look at me gorging myself on this food. And then, of course, we comfort, oh, it's just, it's not all the time. It's, it's just this one time. Oh, well then, all right then. Well, it's that kind of thing when someone, if you would invite someone and you'd say, you know what, I want to really feed this person and you bring them in, and they sit down, and all they're consumed with is, there's so many people, this guy, how much could he do for so many people, and yet he sits here, and, and his normal meal is, is more than we ever could understand. 
and you don't realize how blessed, how blessed you are. Well, in Nigeria, they would, of course, uh, an, a cow or something that's very expensive, um, you're going to get all the bang for your buck, and so you're going to sacrifice that cow to, to the gods, the, the local gods. So if the missionary is unaware of this and he goes to the market and he buys a hindquarter and hoists it over his shoulder and walks home with it, everybody who, look, he's eaten meat that was sacrificed to idols. Well, then it must be okay. He must be in agreement with that religious service. And without even realizing it, I would be portraying something that would be causing someone to stumble. Now, of course, we can go right down the rabbit hole with this one. What are you doing to cause a weaker person to stumble? Well, that's not the point. The point is when we know something and then we use our knowledge to excuse whatever, there's fallout, right? There are those people who look and see us do certain things. And it causes problems. That's why a lot of church functions, let's say, don't have alcohol involved in it. Why? Is there something wrong with alcohol? No. But you don't know who's in your presence who could be caused to stumble because of that. And there are other things that, the, that a church function does that excludes certain things. Why? Because we don't want people to stumble. And unfortunately, that means sometimes Christians don't have so much fun. But we don't for good reason. Now, we know that having fun isn't, isn't a... a uh, not a sin but when we when somebody says isn't that you shouldn't be doing isn't that wrong what, what you're doing let's say like getting drunk and you say oh no there's nothing wrong with that well then that person can go and say well you know the church people say it's okay to go get drunk and so let's go get drunk And I've been scandalized by, I mean, I've heard uh, uh, somebody was taken to a church function and there was drinking there and, and people actually took them there to get them drunk at church. There's something wrong with that. And this, church, this person wasn't a church-going person. And I was thinking, wow, this is wrong at so many levels. So we need to be aware of those kinds of things. The major idea is that we know stuff, right? And like, I know that I make mistakes, but I know that God forgives me. And I say, when I find out that I make a mistake, I say, oh, so, I, I'm, I'm so sorry, Lord. And God says, I forgive you. And he allows me to share his word and his love, provided I do share his love, right? Sharing God's knowledge without sharing God's love is a sin. 
I know that's a broad statement. I, I could get some backlash for that one. But what I'm saying is, just like in the spirit of what the Apostle Paul says, we know that we all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. And this is what I'm talking about. To get all cocky about God and just teasing, you know, I've been to the seminary and I've got two master's degrees and that sort of thing. I got a black belt in God. Right? I'm just teasing. But I've gone and I've learned a lot of stuff about God's Word. And what if I just go with that and I, you know, and I just kind of go along, yeah, I love the ministry, it's the people I hate. Right? Ministry would be fantastic if it wasn't for the people. Well, ministry's about the people. And being a minister and being a child of God means that you love one another, right? Love God and love one another. And if you don't love one another and, and you love God, it, it, it almost makes, it, it verges on being hypocritical. And I tell you what, if you want to hear the main criticism of non-Christians, people who don't go to church, what is it? You can tell me. I'm not going to go to church. You know why? Because those people there are sinners. They're no better than anybody else out there, right? And I've met some of them, too, as a seminarian. Boy, there's this one guy. I like to pick on him all the time. He deserves it, though. He was this, he was, well, he was, well, he was a Lutheran. Uh, he still may be a Lutheran. I don't know if he's still alive or not. But I worked for him, and his joy was to persecute seminarians. That was the worst boss I ever worked for. The most judgmental, the least loving, least forgiving person. I didn't work there that long. And sometime later, I was standing in church, and, and, and I was talking to the pastor, and the pastor just was, was, began to wax rap, rhapsodic over somebody who was behind me. Oh, there he is. Oh, and I turned around, and horror of all horrors, it was my old boss. In church, he was completely different than he was at his workplace. And we can do that too. We can say, well, church is church. That's different. That's the business world. That's the real world. Church, on the other hand, is where we come in and play nice. And then some people are not so nice to start off with. So when they come to church, they're nice isn't really that nice, is it? And as a pastor, I am probably one of the biggest consumers of Christian works. Because when somebody gets mad at the pastor and they start doling out everything that they know, all the secrets and all the this and all of that, I sit there and I'm just, sometimes I'm just flabbergasted. I don't even live in that neighborhood. I don't even know where this person gets this information. And they teach me stuff I really don't want to know. So, are we dark people? Yeah. 
Does life do it to us and then we do it to each other? Yeah. Can we ever get out of that stuff? I don't know. You tell me. Can you ever get over yourself? I don't think so. Sometimes I sit and I think about myself and I go, what the heck are you doing being a pastor? I'm not going to go into that because then you'll ask, what the heck are you doing being a pastor? And I don't want to know about your secrets either because I would say, well, what the heck are you doing being a Christian? We're that dark. We're that schizophrenic. But thanks be to God that he is greater than we are, right? That's why we're here, because we know, and hopefully we get to know this at graduating levels, that we are capable of turning our backs on God without much consideration at all. And then when we start to consider who God is and who we are before God, thank God his spirit speaks in us and we come back. We say, I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. But then, of course, we will. And too much God scares us to death. I mean, just, well, look, just, just, the, just the menial stuff of too much God. How would you like to come to church every day and listen to me? That's what I thought. Oh, Lord, kill me now. Too much God. Or maybe too much me. But you see, we carry God with us wherever we go. And he knows us. And this is the point, because God doesn't, it's not like a franchise to where you plant so many people, and then God gets a report and goes, Oh, oh. 5,000 more people have joined my cause. Wonderful. I'm glad to get this report. No. He individually gives faith to each person. We're the ones who might think differently about that. And we might say, "Does God, do you even know me? And God goes, hello? I gave you faith. I personally gave you faith. Faith. Of course I know you. As a matter of fact, I know more about you than you know about yourself. And man, I could tell you stuff that just should scare you to death of what you're about to go through. See, just that little comment scares us, right? We sir, God, please tell me. No, I don't want to know. Just promise that you'll be there when I go through it, if I have to go through it. Yes, I can promise that, God says. And then everything's okay. Why? Because we know how powerful God is. We know how loving he is. We know how merciful he is. We know that he did not spare his own son to suffer and die for us on the cross. So we know that he will do the best thing for us, right? We know this. Even in this pandemic, we know this. And that helps us to continue to live. It's not so much the knowledge, because God's knowledge of us, what he has to forgive, we don't understand. But he does, 
Why? Not because of knowledge, but because of love. He forgives us because he loves us. And so, he says, for us to go out and love each other and forgive. Even if I know that they did such and so and so, yeah. Because you want me to sit you down and tell you all the stuff I know about you? No, no, I'm good. And I can tell you stuff about you that you don't even know. You haven't even begun to consider. I could put you in such a state of depression, you couldn't get out of it. Oh, But I love you, and I want you to love me and to love one another. So there are things, when you ask for forgiveness, you ask for things. God, forgive things I have done, things I have left undone, right? And that things that we have left undone, well, even the things that we've done. Well, I, I didn't do anything wrong. Well, what about such and so and so? No, no, I, I thought through that whole thing. I'm not wrong. I'm right. That one's wrong. And God says, no, you got it opposite. You're wrong, and that person's right. Or maybe you're both wrong. Oh, well, now I'm kind of miffed at you, God, because... You're not on my side. You're on their side, and they're a terrible person. God says, you're missing the point. I, I sent Jesus to suffer and die because you're all terrible people. Boy, pastor's on a soapbox today, isn't he? Calling us terrible and sinners and all of those things. Well, this is what God endures through us. And yet, somehow... He loved us so much he sent his son to die for us. That's incomprehensible. How could I figure that out? I can't. But God's word is so powerful that I can. You get it? So God is present in my life. and God is present in your life. Nobody needs to really explain God. God can explain himself. He's powerful, and each of his children hopes because he reaches down and he touches their hearts and their souls. And then he sends us out. Love me. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Notice, how much do you love yourself? Well, I got, I can't stand, okay, a lot. Love your neighbor as much as that. Well, that's impossible. Yeah, you know, it is. But I love you enough for you and your neighbors. Be thankful. Listen to my word. And be at peace. Amen. We continue with the prayers. We rise.
Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O Holy Trinity, you are God of gods and Lord of lords. Truly, there is no God but you alone. From you and from your Son, Jesus Christ, are all things. Reveal the saving knowledge of Christ's truth to us and all the world that loving you and one another together we may be known by God. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, our God, whose voice was heard at Sinai and whose authority was made manifest in Christ, the prophet greater than Moses, send faithful preachers into your harvest who will be diligent to listen to your word and speak it faithfully in your name. Preserve us from false prophets who would lead us away from your truth and give us ears to hear clearly the saving words of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, guard our families and homes. Build them up in love. Support parents in their tasks of instructing their children. Strengthen those whose faith is weak and make us bold to forego convenience and security to attest the truths of our most holy faith with heart and action. Lord, in your mercy. Yeah. Almighty God, give health and success to our, our president and governor, our legislators and judges, and all who serve for our governance and protection. Make them high in purpose, wise in counsel, and unwavering in duty. Lord, in your mercy. Yeah. Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son cast out unclean spirits and taught with authority. He is the great physician of body and soul. Have mercy on those who are sick, distressed, in danger, or are facing any need. Especially we pray for Linda Lilly with fibromyalgia. Um, we ask that you would be with her. Laura uh, Brignac, a surgery for a detached retina. We pray that you would be with her as well. As, and, uh, and these people that we have uh, before us all the time, um, Randy Ware, Michael Bracado, Hannah Simon, Merrill Fund Marilyn Funderburg, Mark Legrand, Chuck Aldridge, Calvin Hensler, Charlene Mathis, Dennis Darcy, Carrie Pierre, Barbara uh, uh Beggy Culberson, Harold Perkle, Leonika Ruffin, uh, Yvonne Ferrand, Lisa Bardwell, Cheryl Rodrigue, Shirley... Um, Mansfield, Joe Anderson, Ruth Wagner, Cindy Harper, Patty Smart, Dr. Kenneth um, Alfredish's family, Sarah Fleming, Todd Gegenheimer Jr. and Sr., Lois Gephardt, Susan Nielsen, Mike Kitzman, Cass Mardrzewski, Emily DeWitt, uh, Bruce Johnson, Paul Bates, Charles Arnold, Chad Sherman, Esperanza Gonzalez, and Marina... Um, uh, Mariano Martinez, all seeking healing. Pray that God may renew their lives. Sustain them with patience, trusting in your merciful care, and graciously relieve them. Lord, in your mercy. Dear Lord, look with favor on all who partake this day, the Christ's holy body and blood, that in their eating and drinking they may receive the benefits of forgiveness of sins and renewal of life and also receive a foretaste of the feast to come. Lord, in your mercy. All these things and whatever else you know we need, grant us, Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again and now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
Amen. Since we have already uh, uh, give opportunity to uh, receive the offerings that, that we present in, in uh, thanks to God, we continue uh, with uh, the service of sacrament on page 208. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty, Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, for what had been hidden from before the foundation of the world, you have made known to the nations in your Son, in him being found in the substance of our mortal nature, you have manifested the fullness of your glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. Blessed are you, O Lord God, King of all creation, for you have had mercy on us and given your only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In your righteous judgment, you condemned the sin of Adam and Eve who ate the forbidden fruit, and you justly barred them and all their children from the tree of life. Yet in your great mercy, you promised salvation by a second Adam, your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and made his cross a life-giving tree for all who trust in him. We give you thanks for the redemption you prepared for us through Jesus Christ. Grant us your Holy Spirit that we may faithfully eat and drink of the fruits of his cross and receive the blessings of forgiveness, life, and salvation that come to us in his body and blood. Hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen.
Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Please be seated. All right. Uh, announcements? Any announcements? Yep. I just want to remind everybody that there's still collecting stamp bags for uh, Robin Bell House. Yep. We collect them there, snap tabs. Yep. All right, we got uh, snacks over here, and then Bible study back over here, and need we say more? Right. So we'll see you here at, what, 10.30? 10.30, here. All right. Uh, let's rise and do the uh, mission statement. As believers in Christ, St. Stephen Lutheran Church is committed to serving God by sharing the good news with Christ with all people. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.